0: There's something else that you need to know about money. As time passes, money will lose its value because of something we call inflation. In 1913, a gallon of milk cost around 36 cents. In 2013, the price rose to $3.53, nearly 10 times as much. Most countries aim for an inflation rate between two to 2.5% annually. This number is how much value the money you have stored up loses every year, meaning that saving all your money in a bank account actually becomes a problem over time. And that's when you're presented with this term investing, the idea of using your money to make more money to beat this rate of inflation. You've probably heard about this stock market thing and how it's one of the easiest ways to invest your money. But what even is the stock market? How do you even begin investing in it? And is it truly as lucrative as other people want you to believe? Markets open again after the worst week since the financial crisis. The funds, the hedge funds. The Dow jumping 200 points at the open this morning. It's just a good place to put your savings. You suddenly put them together and you say, damn it, that's what's happening. A market is simply a place in which things are bought and sold. If you live in a country like the United Kingdom, the United States or India, your economy is very much fueled on a wide array of markets. For example, a fruit market deals with the buying and selling of fruits, a real estate market deals with the buying and selling of houses, and the stock market deals with the buying and selling of stocks. Which begs the question, what exactly are stocks? A stock or a share, both terms are used interchangeably to essentially mean the same thing, represents a part ownership in a company. If company X had a total of 10 shares, sometimes commonly referred to as the outstanding shares, and the founder of this company owns all 10 shares, they own 100% of the company. If the founder owns 5 shares, then they own only 50% of the company, and so on. Now we often refer to those who own shares in a company as a shareholder, but this begs a new question. Why would a business owner or a founder decide to sell shares in their own company? Imagine for a moment that you owned your own company a bakery. Things have been going well, you own the best baked goods in the area, and sometimes customers are queuing beyond the door, but you're aiming big. See you truly believe that your bakery company and the goods that you produce are the next best thing in the industry, and so you want to expand your business, you want to open up more chains, hire more employees, run bigger marketing campaigns. But to do that, you're going to need to raise more capital, or money, for your company. Now, you could go to the bank and ask to borrow money but that means paying interest on that loan. They might even deem you too risky and refuse to accept your offer. So another option to raise capital for your business is by issuing or selling shares in your company. You can either do this privately and sell those shares to some good friends who believe in your business, or you can do this publicly and have those shares sold to anyone that wants to buy. This would be done through a special event, which is known as an IPO, an initial public offering, whereby your private company becomes a public company. And so, after another successful day at the bakery, you decide to do it. You decide to IPO. in Frenzy on Wall Street today for the initial public offering of Twitter. It's in board pricing its IPO at $19 each. Electric car makers surged for nearly 41%, the second best IPO game of the year. Well, tremendous interest in this IPO this morning. So this Uber has priced its IPO at $45 per share. Part of going public as a company is deciding on how many shares of your company you would like to actually issue, and the number of shares you issue to the public is commonly referred to as the float. Now the initial value of each share in your company is determined by how well your company is doing financially, how similar businesses are doing, and how much demand there will be for your shares when they do go public, along with many other factors. Public companies will then have their shares listed on what is called a stock exchange. To explain this, let's use fruit markets as an analogy. In your city, There may be numerous amounts of fruit markets, but you will have the choice of only one of these fruit markets to set up your fruit stall. Now, instead of fruit markets, imagine they're called stock exchanges. They're the actual place at which the trading occurs. And instead of fruit stalls, there are a bunch of companies listed at these stock exchanges. It's up to you to pick the most appropriate exchange to list your company's shares. And each stock exchange will have their own specific requirements in order for companies to have their shares listed and traded there. Some of the biggest exchanges in America America are the New York Stock Exchange founded in 1817, the Nasdaq founded in 1971, most notable for having some of the biggest tech companies listed there such as Google, Apple, Amazon and Intel. But stock exchanges exist around the world, not just America. Now let's introduce stockbrokers into the mix. A stock broker purchases and sells stocks on behalf of an investor. They act as a middleman. In the past, brokers would go to what is called a trading floor at a stock exchange, shouting over one another trying to fulfill their clients' requests. But thanks to the power of technology, this process has become more and more automated and is done using computer algorithms. This actually reduced the need for a physical location for a stock exchange. The Nasdaq, for example, has no trading floors at all. So. How does a trade actually happen? An investor will first go to a broker and make an order for a share, just like you'd make an order for Amazon. This order, however, will include a few extra details in order to help your broker. First, you must actually specify the company in which you'd like to buy or sell shares in. This is often represented through what is called a ticker symbol, which is just an abbreviated name to represent a company. Apple's ticker symbol is AAPL, Amazon is AMZN, Tesla is TSLA, to name a few. You can find out what a company's ticker symbol is through a quick Google search next is the side which is do you want to buy or sell shares then you have the type of order you see it helps to see the stock market as an auction market there are thousands of buyers bidding for how much they want to buy a share for and thousands of people selling asking for a certain price when a buyer and seller match the trade commences This happens millions of times a day as the price of a share fluctuates based on the supply and demand for those shares. One order type is a market order, which essentially tells your broker to buy or sell that share at whatever price is available on the market. Another order type is a limit order, which like at an auction, sets a reserve price for the shares you want to sell or a highest bid for the shares you want to buy. Meaning you won't sell for anything less than your reserve price and you won't buy for anything more expensive than your highest bid. Of course, the risk here being that if the stock never hits the price you're aiming for, then the order will never be filled. Now, there are other order types that exist, but a market order and a limit order are generally considered the big two. After providing your order type, you then let your broker know the quantity of the shares you'd like to buy. And that's it. In the past, this would have been done through written mail, buying and selling actual physical stock certificates. Then once the telephone came along, you could place an order with your broker over the phone. Now, however, most brokerages are online or have apps where you can place an order without actually having to speak to somebody. And the shares have moved from becoming physical certificates to electronic records, much to the delight of any introverted investor. So the question now is, how do you, the one who is watching this video, use all of this knowledge to make the right investment decision? But before we go on, if you're going to be browsing online for stocks, then at least make sure that your browser is secure, which is where this video sponsor is one that I've genuinely been looking forward to. It's NordVPN. So I've actually been using NordVPN for a while now. Now I've got it set up on my computer, on my phone, on my TV. I even have my parents using it. For those of you that don't know what NordVPN is, I'll explain it real simple. It's essentially a virtual private network provider. So what it does is it protects your identity online from potential hackers or third parties uh, from accessing your online browsing activity it'll basically take your online data and put it behind a safe wall of next generation encryption where not even your own internet service providers can access it it's literally as simple as opening the software on your device and hitting connect and that's it you're secured and here's a little secret that some of you may or may not already be aware of if you've ever encountered a website or you're trying to stream a show or something that isn't available in your country nordvpn actually allows you to change the server that you're on in order to access that website or that show For example, one of my favourite Christopher Nolan films is Interstellar, which actually isn't available on the UK Netflix. So if I then go into NordVPN and change my server to France, however, I can then watch it and it is available for me to stream plus nordvpn is offering a huge discount on their two-year plan if you go to nordvpn.com forward slash james janny or you can use the code james janny at checkout and even better you get a 30-day money-back guarantee along with a 24-7 customer support if you ever need help or have any issues but they are offering this discount for a limited time so do be sure to secure yourself online by clicking the link in the description below or go to nordvpn.com Forward slash James Jani. The game of investing has various players. You will often hear people use the term retail investors or institutional investors. A retail investor refers to people like me or you who are making investments for their own personal account. Institutional investors, however, refers to the big players in the game, pension funds, mutual funds, hedge funds, banks, and so on, that invest large sums of money on behalf of their clients. These institutions will often have analysts who meticulously study the market and determine the best investment decisions to make. This video is however focused for people like me and you, retail investors. The goal is to make money. And to do this, we want to buy a stock and at some point sell it for a higher price, profiting the difference. You'll commonly hear the phrase, buy low, sell high. That is essentially what we're aiming for. But to do that, we're gonna have to have an idea of what stocks are going to rise in price and what stocks are going to fall in price. But how could you possibly know that? Well, the price of a share is very much fueled by the supply and demand for that share. If tomorrow, Apple releases some great news about an upcoming product, we'll expect demand in Apple shares to increase as confidence in the company grows and people expect Apple to be more profitable with the release of this upcoming product. Because of this, sellers want to be paid more for their shares and buyers are willing to pay higher for those shares. The price of Apple stock therefore increases. But this means there is a lot of unpredictability in the stock market. All sorts of things can impact the price of a share. A change in CEO, the quality of the products, a new government policy, or even how fashionable a given business sector is. It's difficult for the average retail investor working a job or running a business to have to keep up with this every day. And this is why investing in the long term is generally considered better for the average retail investor than investing in the short term. Long-term investing is buying shares and holding onto those shares for potentially years down the line. Billionaire investor Warren Buffett is well known for applying the strategy of value investing, where he looks over a company's fundamentals, the assets they own, their liabilities, the actual book value of the company, and invests in companies that he feels are undervalued. This has obviously worked out incredibly well for him. Short-term investing, however, usually means holding onto shares for sometimes even less than a day before you sell them. For most retail traders, however, this is just too risky, too easy to lose money and not worth the time, stress and energy required to consistently be making a return on your investments. Most of us want to be able to make investments that are passive. In other words, they don't involve a lot of time and energy required in order to be maintaining them. Ideally, we want to be able to set it and leave it. And for some people, even the idea of doing research into a company seems like more effort than we'd like. Enter, Indexes. Indexes measure the performance of certain stocks and tend to tell us something about the stock market overall. For example, you might have already heard of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, sometimes shortened to the Dow Jones or just the Dow. This is an index that tracks the stock performance of the top 30 companies listed on the stock exchange in the United States. Our fears that the Dow will drop and drop quickly. The Dow up more than 1,000 points. The Dow sharply higher, above 30,000, as you talked about. Or perhaps you might have heard of the Standard and pause 500, more commonly known as the S&P 500. This index tracks the stock performance of the top 500 companies listed on the US stock exchange. In the UK, we have the FTSE 100, which tracks the top 100 UK companies listed on the exchange. The purpose of these indexes alone is to help us see how the stock market is doing overall. But what if you were able to invest into a fund that contained all of these companies inside of it? This is where index funds and what we call ETFs, which stand for exchange traded funds come into play, both of which are very much the same with only slight differences. For example, the Vanguard S&P 500 ETF contains all of the companies inside the S&P 500 index, but allows you to invest in it just like you would a normal stock. In other words, you can go to your broker and make the purchase of one share in the Vanguard S&P 500 ETF, meaning that you are essentially splitting up your money into the 500 companies that the S&P 500 index tracks. This single fund acts as a way of diversifying your investments without actually having to go out of your way to invest and manage shares in 500 different companies. Instead, an ETF like the Vanguard S&P 500 does this for you. It looks as though you're invested in just one stock, but in fact, it's a basket of other stocks. Best of all, when a new company enters the S&P 500 index, it is automatically included in the S&P 500 ETF without you needing to do anything. You'll often hear many personal finance writers or YouTubers preach about investing in ETFs like the S&P 500 because it's a comparatively safe and passive investment if you are looking to invest in the long term. But the question is, how much can you reasonably expect to earn from the stock market? Truth is, we've been in a bull market since 2009. A bull market is generally where we see the prices in shares rise, as opposed to a bear market where in which we see the prices in shares fall. Because of that, we're seeing more and more investors expect higher than average returns on their portfolio, which is just a fancy way of saying the stocks that they own. But market crashes, as we know, are bound to happen and often for reasons that we can't predict. In most cases, you'll find that an average annual return of 6 to 10% of your investments is good, which of course doesn't sound as flashy or as extravagant as one might expect. But remember, for the average retail investor, the stock market shouldn't be seen as a way of making a lot of money fast. For the long-term investor, it's very much a game of patience and investing in your portfolio month by month. But be warned, you will encounter people promising you high returns on your money all over the place. And with the rise in popularity of apps like Robinhood or Webull and others that make trading in the stock market more and more easily accessible, retail investors often invest into the stock market without doing their due diligence or a slither of research. So here's some key warnings to be on the lookout for. You'll often hear the phrase, buy the dip, and as annoying as it is to hear that, it's important to understand. Investing can very much be fueled by our emotions. And when we see a stock rise in price, the fear of missing out may kick in and we may end up making a bad trade. It's in fact when we see a share fall in price that it's usually the best time to invest, the dip, Is where the money is made Two, invest what you can afford to lose a common piece of advice you'll hear is to invest roughly 10% of your earnings each month for me that often ends up being put into the Vanguard S&P 500 ETF that we mentioned before but it's money that I'm happy to set and leave for a very long time we're talking 10 to 20 years into the future three don't panic and sell the moment you see your shares fall in value if you're investing for the long term then you should expect to see some peaks and troughs but if your portfolio is diversified enough, this shouldn't matter in the long run. You never lose money on a trade until you've actually sold the shares that you've bought. For those of you wondering I have a brokerage account opened with Vanguard and I also have a Trading 212 account which is a trading app here in the UK the US equivalents being apps like Robinhood, Webull, TD Ameritrade. Honestly finding a good broker for where you live is as easy as a simple Google search on the subject. Of course if you are going to be browsing online then do be sure to check out NordVPN's huge discount. The link for that will be in the description below or you can go to nordvpn.com/jamesjanny or just use the code James Janney at checkout. Now, I know I didn't get to talk about things like short selling, options trading or what a market maker is and so on and so forth. This video is very much more about grounding your understanding in the stock market. I've always found that if you understand the core of a subject well, then you can usually understand the intricacies around that subject much better. And this video is really something that I wish I had when I was first starting to look into the stock market. That being said, if you did enjoy the video, do hit the like button, do subscribe. Those things are completely for free, but they help out a ton. My friends, I wish you the best rest of the day. As always, hand to head, salute.